morning. Grand Rising, everyone. Natalie Kamitsa, Spirit and Coffee. Got my coffee here. So for those of you in the U.S., um, definitely um, hope that you were able to celebrate on or relax or <laughs> have some kind of a um, family gathering or whatever it was that you did. Um, rest, relaxation um, for the holiday. And hopefully you had a couple days off. Um, I was going to get on Thursday and of course it didn't work out that way and that's quite all right. Um, so there you go. Good morning, whoever just got on here. Um, so I want to, um, we are reading the Emerald Tablet Alchemy for Personal Transformation. We're going to continue on that. We have, we've been talking about the uh, Doctrine of Correspondence and how to work with the above and the below. And so what that, what does that mean? And so we're going to get into what is the one thing and how do we work with it? Okay, so we will get started, and if you are following along, whoever's on Facebook, say good morning. I don't know who's on here. It's not showing me, um, but we're on page 58. If you are deciding to get the book, if not, fine. I'm going to read it anyway. Okay, so let's see. What is the one thing? The one thing mentioned in the orientation rubric is really the main topic of the entire Emerald Tablet. Why is the one thing so important? Why is the one thing the subject and not the one mind? Because in essence, the Emerald Tablet is not a religious document, okay? This is important. It is a practical treaty concerning a spiritual technology designed to allow man to reach his highest expression. And the tablet offers an advanced formula for personal transformation, accelerated evolution. In fact, the concluding phrase of the orientation rubric, so do all created things originate from this one thing through transformation. This is critical that you understand. Spiritual alchemy is not a religion. Spiritual alchemy is a way to create and shape and work with the material world to create your divine purpose. Now, within the process of spiritual alchemy, we have religion. So what is born out of spiritual alchemy is religion or different processes that actually arise. So you will find all of the answers within spiritual alchemy, okay, to support you with your divine purpose, to help you shape and mold it, okay, <clears throat> offers the advanced formula of transformation, accelerated evolution. In fact, the concluding phrase of the orientation, so do all created things originate from this one thing through transformation, is one of the earliest formulations of the idea of evolution of life many centuries before Charles Darwin was selected to be part of our species. So transformation and transmutation, big, huge words in alchemy. And what has happened now, it's spiritual alchemy. So basically, the way spiritual alchemy started was to allow us to overcome the monkey mind, the emotions and the feelings and sensations and the suffering. And so we see within several doctrine, um, especially religious doctrines, um, the art of spiritual alchemy in the very fabric of each religion. So that is why spiritual alchemy runs across any subject because it is the actual 
connection to the divine law, to natural law. And it is how do we use it in the material world? How do we create with it? So it's really cool. Good morning, Christina. It's, it's, it's an amazing process that allows us to tap into something that most don't understand. And it allows us to shape our world, our reality. It allows us to work with our reality. It allows us to, to co-create with the one mind. And this is how divine purpose is created. We are always constantly right and forever looking for divine purpose. What is our purpose? Why are we here? What are we doing here? How did we get here? So this helps us to shape. Again, I can't stress enough. Spiritual alchemy is not a religion. Not. Okay. So I will read that again. Good morning, The Rock. Good morning, Ernest. So the Emerald Tablet is not a religious document. It is a practical treaty concerning a spiritual technology designed to allow man to reach his highest expression. This is another thing, his highest expression. See, each one of us has this ability to reach our highest potential. We've been given the opportunity to do that as human beings. We've been given the opportunity to co-create with the with the divine. And some people don't feel like they, they know how, don't know how to get there, or don't understand. And so certain things keep us and hold us back from actually expressing the highest potential that we have. That is why I talk about living in other people's alchemy. Because when you do, some of that alchemy, sorry, I'm just like, <laughs> some of that alchemy is really created to create the separation and to say, hey, you're not, you can never reach the heights that I have. That is only for a few. And you'll hear that only, if, it's only for the few. It's only, no, it's not, it's for everybody. Now only the few will actually practice only few will say, I can do this and go all the way because it's not easy, right? So it's like, well, I'll just, you know, sometimes people will just say, I'll just go with somebody else's alchemy. What? Tell me what to do. It requires trust. It requires trust in yourself. It requires you transforming and transmuting all of that negative energy into light. We don't get rid of it. We don't say, oh, we're going to disappear. It's going to disappear. I just don't want to have that feeling. No, we say, how do we work with this feeling? What is it telling me? What is it teaching me? And how do I utilize it? So it's not like we don't go through shit, the shit and the mud and all that. We do. We do. In fact, probably more than most. We're not trying to avoid that. We're trying to say, how do we work with it? Because you've got to understand that the below, if we looked at it from the above and the below, the below is very dense. Okay? It's a very dense space. You're going to disappear soon? <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. What's up, GP man? We're in such a dense space, right, that, that sometimes we just were like, screw it. We'll just follow what anybody else says. We're going to follow whatever. Instead of trusting your own self, your own alchemy, your own internal knowing. And it's easier that way because sometimes we don't trust ourselves. We don't. We want to look for validation through others. But doing alchemy literally is sometimes a, a kind of a lonely process. Good morning. Lidge. Is it Lidge? I don't know how to say it. Sorry. Um, so 
do all things originate from the one thing through transformation is the earliest for uh, formulations of the idea of evolution of life okay many centuries before charles darwin was selected to be a part of our species balinese reviewed our balinese viewed the one thing as a supreme force which cannot be seen and has no perceptile form until it is grounded in material reality by the action or thought of the one mind the mind of the supreme being in nearly every religion knowing the name of the god bestowed great magical power however the name of god is the name of the one thing and both are indescribable it can only be directly perceived here is where we get into these questions of you know knowing the names okay knowing names so literally when once we name the thing that we say like god once we give it a name it's no longer that we have no words so i think that we just use words to describe something that your connection to that thing doesn't need to be named anything we just do it for context right to to help people along when i say god it's not god uh christ god or god it's god the ultimate god right that that they even talk about in religious practice the one almighty thing that we are and mind that we cannot we ha we can't put words we can only experience once you put words on it it's not that anymore but if you experience it and this is where science gets really wonky because they're like well we can't measure it we can't they can either um say that it's fact or truth or a lie that there is god they can't they can't prove it but they also can't not prove it basically but why are we trying to prove it i mean it's obvious that there's something greater than us at play we didn't create ourselves i didn't create myself right there was some divine spark that happened between my parents and that spark and whatever existed in my father and existed in my mother came together to create something right it, that was the transformation and transmutation i didn't make that happen <laughs> right i didn't make that happen they did and out of that came the third which was me two came together to create the third and that's part of creation but i didn't create it like that's why for me when people say that they don't believe in something greater how could they not did they create how birth was going to happen? No. See, the semen was in the man, the eggs were in the women, the woman, and it came together to create new life. I didn't do that. That's I didn't say, "Hey, this is my process." No, the process was already there. So what created the process? Something greater than us. We didn't do it. We're just participating in it. And as we participate in it, we start to grow and magnify and get bigger. And so for us, we can co-create with the divine using the same principle, okay, of the one thing. Now, the one thing also has within it the one and one is two, but really zero equals two. Because in the beginning, there is that bridge of duality. There was the, the wholeness. There wasn't a duality. And out of the duality came the two. But we say came the one, 
right? Which was maybe in tarot, we call it the magician, right? We say it's at zero, which is the fool's journey, meaning we're whole, perfect, and complete. We know neither right, wrong, good, or bad. You can see it through the trickster energy where there are no rules and and it bends reality in a way that we don't understand. So we can go back into archetypal energy and how to describe and explain it. Okay, so the one thing is our ability to mold and shape reality. We have this power. Now, when we tap into it and learn how to use it, we become powerful and we become in co-creation with the divine. Okay, knowing the name of God bestowed great magical powers. However, the name of God is the name of the one thing and both are indescribable and can only be directly perceived. This fundamental principle is expressed in the Egyptian myth of Isis and Ra. Isis wanted to become a goddess and knew she had to find out her true name, the true name of Ra, the supreme sun god of Egypt to succeed. So she fashioned a snake from the mud and made um, when some of Ra's saliva fell from the heaven. Because the snake was made from Ra himself, its venom was only substance that could harm, could harm him. Isis concealed the, the viper uh, in the dust, um, oops, sorry, in the dust on the road until Ra visited Earth. When he walked by the snake, it bit him, and there was nothing he could do as the poisoned coursed through him. Ra felt excruciating pain for the very first time, and in his agony, called out to the other gods for help, but only Isis came forward. Tell me your name, she said. Sorry, I have, <laughs> that is this very embarrassing. I apologize. <laughs> Isis, uh, Tell me your name, she said. I will cure you. Ra tried to trick Isis into giving him the cure, but she cleverly rebuked him. Finally, Ra said, my name is hidden in, in my body. Let it pass from my heart to your heart. By directly experiencing the infallible magic name, Isis immediately cured Ra and became an immortal herself. Okay. The message of the myth is that the signature of God is in all things but it is not something we can write or even pronounce, okay? It is not something we can write or pronounce. It's not something that we, we can give words to. It's an experience. And that's where we co-create through experience. We have an experience of something. Something moves through us, okay? And in that experience that moves through us, we are able to co-create with the one thing. We're able to shape it and form it into something new. But there are no words. Now we can try to put words to the things that we're creating. It's like the sacred geometry that shows up for me, right? Good morning, Kumar. And in the sacred geometry that shows up, all it is is, is a bunch of pictures. Symbology. But are there words to go with it? Not necessarily. We can hear tone and vibration and frequency. And if we look back in history, we can see that vibration and tonality has been used to co-create with the one thing and the one mind. 
So they, they can't, right, they're scratching their heads still about how we were able to move these trillion tons um, and, and create the pyramids, right? These blocks that were so heavy, tons and tons and tons. They weighed too much for one man to carry. So how did it happen? What was utilized? How did they create that? There was a guy in Florida, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but this guy in Florida said he understood the technology to do this and he did. He worked alone and he was able to levitate these big things using what? Maybe sound, maybe magnetism. But he was working with the one thing to move and levitate things that seemed magical, seemed impossible to do. How did they create the pyramids? We can't even recreate those today. Still today, we don't have the technology to do it. Why? Well, I'd say it's because we're out of integrity, in my personal opinion. We shouldn't have that kind of power because right now, people with power don't know what to do with it. They're acting crazy with it. They're misusing it. And they're putting everybody in danger. Because why? Because it's not right heart, right mind, right intention. So why should they be given this technology? Or perhaps some people do have it and they are so kind-hearted and know that if they use it that they're going to destruct everything. Just like he did. He worked alone. Why did he work alone? Because he probably knew that in the hands of the wrong people could go terribly wrong for the rest of humanity and the planet. Why? Why are we why are we trying to ruin a planet that's been given to us, been gifted to us? One of the most beautiful planets, right? Especially for our species. To survive and thrive. And it's all here. And yet we take this alchemy and we use it for ill intention. That's what we see happening right now. Misuse of alchemy. Is it supposed to happen? Perhaps. However, there are people who can come in and do light magic, right? And do the right thing and co-create with the one mind and the one thing for the betterment of humanity. And those are the type of people that we need right now. Those people to wake up, to remember who they are. And it's a big job. It's not a small job. I mean, it's like, yeah, you guys are the ones. There you go. You're the one. You're waiting on some something to come save you. You get to save you. You are the one. You are the you are, if you wanted to put it in the matrix terms, you are Neo, right? So wake up. <laughs> wake up and start to utilize your power. But it, again, not easy, right? Some people want to go back. Once you know, you can't go back. And that's why people tend to not, a lot of people tend to say, well, I'll just stay away from this podcast, right? Because then you become personally responsible for some information that you get to apply to your life. And if you know, you can't go back. It becomes a personal responsibility. Some people aren't ready for that. I get it. And it's okay. But for those that are, the very tiny percent of people that are, because there are a small few, there is a small amount of people 
that are ready, that are searching, that are committed. It's an experience and it's not a word. Talking about it is one thing. Words are just words. Words aren't, words can create, but words are just words. When we apply it to our life, it becomes a whole other thing. It's like me. Who gives a shit what I know? Who cares what comes out of my mouth? Yeah, I do this podcast to help others, but how am I practicing and applying it to my life? How is this relevant to what I'm up to? Who cares about what I say? It doesn't matter. What matters is the application. And is it doing harm or is it helping? That's what matters. So how I apply it to my life is what's critical, what's important. How you apply it, how you experience it, how you utilize it. Talking about it is just... People sit around and talk about this all day, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not, you've got to apply it. It's like my dad, he used to always say, you know, actions speak louder than words, but that's not what he said. He would say, I want it, I don't want your lip service. That's what he used to tell me. I don't want your lip service. Show me. That's it. And that was the end of the story. He didn't want to hear what I was going to do, da, 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 da. He wanted to know. He said, I don't want to hear your lip service. Just get it done. And it was like, okay, now how do I get it done? (laughs) What do I need to do to get it done? It's like I have allergies today, you guys. I apologize. I'm like, what do they say? Mocosa. (laughs) Give me just a second here, you guys. I apologize. I need to uh, perhaps blow my nose. Which doesn't, okay, there, and come back on here. There, hopefully that's better. <laughs> I got a little bit of allergies and oh my God, what a mess. You know, I wonder people who have like these live shows, what if that happens? Do they like cut, do it again? Don't tell someone you love them, show them, exactly. Words are just empty. They can just be empty, right? We could talk about it all day. And I see people do it. And there's nothing wrong, again, with this. There's nothing wrong with it. What I'm saying is it's not the same as actually applying it. People will sit around the table talking about this stuff. And, I, and I'm and i going to be honest. I get a little bit, um, this is my stuff. I get a little bit anxious when that happens because I'm like, okay, can we stop talking about it and start doing something? Okay, but then there's that other piece where you become a doer and not a beer. So there's a healthy balance and an equilibrium, right? It's you've got to find your 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 balance within it all. Because what you could do is end up being too much of a doer and not a beer. So there's this balance between the two. And it's a it's a cosmic dance that you play. Because I can overdo things. <laughs> I really can. I really will. I mean, I will just do it and 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 keep going. And sometimes I need to stop and be. Listen to what the what the one mind is saying and then apply it into the doingness. So people really get stuck in the mental piece of it and they don't apply it to their life. And they're trying to get some result through words and there's actions need to happen. There needs to be some momentum, some movement 
in order to get a result, to get an outcome. Okay. The message of this myth and the signature of God is in all things, but it is not something we could write or even pronounce. It is simply sharing his heart and seeking his presence. This feeling is experienced by mystics as a kind of divine love. And it is. Surprisingly, the Old Testament gives one thing a voice in the eighth chapter of the book of Proverbs, which, may, which many medieval alchemists consider the biblical emerald tablet. That I, the one thing, may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their, their treasures. The Lord possesses me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from the beginning. Oh, sorry. I was set up from the everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. Well, as I yet, he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set his compass upon the face of the depths, he was established. He set the compass to, oh, sorry, I keep doing that. He established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree um, that the waters should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him okay in the eighth chapter of the book of proverbs we see the creation from the viewpoint of the one thing in the divine hymander um, we see it through the one mind in both cases it is the one thing that is transformed to bring about new creation so we have the one mind and then it becomes the one thing, and then we shape the one thing, and then we mold it, and that's how we co-create. So part of it, as I was talking about, is allowing ourselves to continue to connect to the one mind in silence, which is where we get maybe our divine instruction. So it could be through meditation, it could be through just sitting still and just being. And as we be, right, and just sit there and be, then what? Well, now we have ideas, we have instructions, and then we apply that to the one thing, which is what we have here on earth. Now it shows up in several parts. If we saw it like a rainbow, a rainbow, right, is one source of light. If we put it through a prism, it becomes multiple things. So the one thing's been transformed into everything we see on the periodic table. And that's why chemists started to use the elements to shape things the way that they are today. Everything that we have done has come from the one thing. Everything that we have done has come from the one thing. Sorry, there I go again. And the one thing... If we looked at it from the perspective of earth, earth, water, air, fire, we have all of these elements that we work with. Those elements, those minerals help, to, help us to co-create. They're all a part of the one thing and they help us to shape our reality. And that's what we've done. 
we've used it to shape reality. Now, in the ancient past, we shaped reality using a technology that we still today don't use. Levitation, sound vibration. I mean, we're learning how to use it again. And there's stories about how or how we got this ancient wisdom. You know, there's historical records that talk about, um, we talk about it as myth, where there were giants or there were aliens or there was these angel watchers or whatever. You can go back into the myth stories of every civilization and you'll see that they said that they didn't create it. The humans didn't, that it was the angels that came from the sky that helped us to co-create the pyramids and all these great megalithic places. Well, who did that? What did that? It was, it, it was maybe other species or another set of beings, but they are still part of the one thing. They're still part of who we are. They're no different. They're still part of the one thing. You can't be outside the one thing. The one thing is the one thing. And it shapes and molds in different fashions. So to think that we're the only creatures with consciousness would be crazy. That would be crazy to believe that. Right? And we see in history that there were stories that there, that there were more than just us. Other species. We see it in myth stories. Now, the Bible is one of the only doctrine we don't, well, some people will call it myth, but right now people think it's fact. But if you looked at it from facts, we would say it sounds like a myth. If we went 200, 300, 400 years from now, maybe a thousand years from now, we're going to start calling that book a myth. It may not even be the ultimate doctrine anymore. But if we read it, it sounds like a mythological story. But people believe it to be the truth. And we see this story's been circulated throughout time. So now we're looking at it, we're saying, well, what does it even mean? It means that there's a one mind and a one thing. And that somewhere in between is where we exist. And that we have this beautiful opportunity to co-create. Now we just need to understand how to transmute the negative or the dark energy into light. And that's really it. That's the key. Transmutation of dark into light. The transmutation of the heavy emotions, the heavy thinking, the suffering into light. Old and New Testaments are not the same either. Yeah, everything changes, right? It shifts. Everybody rewrites it. Every new language arises. English is a new language, right? English is not some old, ancient language. It's new. It's the newest language. There's probably something newer. Like we could say that computer language is the newest language. People speak in code. Right? Language changes and we shape it and mold it just like we do everything else. Nothing stays the same. Nothing is constant. Change is constant. That's it. So we can shape and mold words. We can shape and mold language. We can shape and mold um, symbols. We can shape and mold our reality around us. We, we shape and mold mathematics and numbers. That's what we do. We create and shape and mold. And then we live in the alchemy that we create. So what is your alchemy? 
at the end of the day, what is your alchemy? What is your co-creation? And that exists in your divine purpose. And when you hit your divine purpose, right, and you understand what it is, then you start to grow and shape it the way that you choose to. This is one of mine, is doing the podcast. It's just one of my things. Making money moves. <laughs> yeah, that's another way. Now, money's a result of what we may get in, in exchange for our energy. But that's not truly the creation. Money could be a, a tool that we we get in order to um, shape other things or mold other things. But money itself is a creation of someone else's alchemy. Somebody else created the dollar and coin and somebody else created the concept of doing that. And taxes, right? As well. Taxes too. That's a create something that was created and shaped and mold. The wisdom in the Bible is hidden within the lines. Yes. So, you know, and that's that is one of my favorite passages from the Bible, actually. When Jesus says, Give unto Caesars what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God's, because literally None of it's Caesar's. He doesn't, neither do we own it, neither do we, but we can shape it. So it doesn't matter. Give the money away. Who cares? <laughs> this is a hard one for people. Money, food, some basic things that are super hard for people to get over. We talk about money and let me tell you what, people go crazy. If I only had this, if I only had a million, if I only had a trillion, it's never enough, right? Give to Caesars what is Caesars and give to God what is God's. People don't, maybe don't truly understand what that means and maybe never really truly experienced it. But everything is God's. Nothing is Caesars. That's what it means. Caesar only believes that everything is his and that he deserves to collect. And that's why he can never reach the kingdom of God because he's he's focused in money as his God. Do you see? <laughs> okay so there you have it the emerald tablet um alchemy for personal transformation um and then we go into um the book of proverbs creation from the viewpoint of the one thing the divine pimander and then um we're gonna keep continue going into this archetypes from the one mind refashion the chaos of the one thing I like that. Archetypes from the one mind refashion the chaos of the one thing. Find order in the chaos. That's what we've been trying to do. And it's always changing. And we're trying to keep up. <laughs> and it's going to continue to do that. All right. Ah, sorry, I was like, I have allergies today. So there you have it. I love you guys. Um, I will be seeing you all tomorrow. And have a magical, marvelous, miraculous, um, mystical, magical Monday. 
<laughs> and I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.